0: Buddy, and welcome back to more of a comment than a question. I am one of your hosts. My name is Paul Connor and I'm joined by my friend and colleague and co-host Rachel Hartman. Nailed it. Rachel, how are <laughs> nice. you?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: Ah, uh, tired. My God. Hugo's sleeping really badly. Uh, he didn't let me go to sleep till midnight last night. And then he woke up again at like three and five. Um, apart from that, I'm good. Had a pretty weird, weird Twitter week, where I, I like inadvertently got involved in sort of debate. This weird debate about not, not like where not about the influence of genetics, but about whether anybody in academia actually is in denial about the influence of genetics. Uh, I, I saw a if-
1: little bit of that, but I've I've been trying to just like not spend a lot of time on Twitter because I have a lot of other work that I need to do yeah, um yeah. but yeah i think like this yeah there's some ridiculous claims um, being made but maybe we should devote a whole pod to that like that's a good topic
0: <laughs> it would be good yeah yeah i mean i've been trying to invite behavioral geneticists on the pod like ever since i started the pod and have just found it a bit difficult but i will keep trying anyway we should uh we should move on um we have a guest, uh, very exciting, so uh, today we're going to be talking to Thomas Costello, who is a six-year graduate student at Emory University in Atlanta, studies political slash personality psychology, he's done some really interesting work um, on left-wing authoritarianism, among other things, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Uh, Thomas, thanks so much for joining us, really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, th- thanks for having me. Sure. Sure okay so
0: you guys uh, know each other a little bit you're in collaboration yeah I
1: believe. Tom, mm-hmm. uh, yeah Tom and I are working on a um, paper uh, Tom's been super helpful um, in helping me figure out what I'm doing and yeah he has a lot of you know experience obviously which we'll talk about in like developing scale and um, validating it and everything and so it's been great to have someone who you know has done it all and can sort of walk me through the steps and he's been very patient in explaining things to me so yeah i'm i'm really grateful for that um and uh maybe someday he'll get the feedback that he owes me back to me
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah well thank you and i was yeah i was gonna say it would be better if I, could, if I wasn't delinquent with with my uh, revisions um yeah the, the project is it's about moral curiosity and developing sort of building out that construct and uh trying to figure out what that looks like in different people mapping individual differences that kind of thing
0: yeah yeah so i this um scale development uh and uh, construct validation is is definitely something that you've you've worked on a lot i i have been reading um your jpsp about mm-hmm. left-wing authoritarian and it's just just a ton of work went into it like a and um, yeah, it's just a huge amount of data in that in that paper that you've uh, done. You did a really good job, I think, of uh, g- packaging it and uh, sort of explaining it. Um, but it's Thanks. it's really interesting work, and obviously, like, it must have been a, a bulk of your time at grad school. This project, um, yeah. And yeah, so um, could we could we talk about that a little bit? Like, tell us, yeah, sure. tell our listeners, like, what. What have you done? What have what have you learnt um, about left? What is left wing authoritarianism, sorry. for a start, uh, and why why are you interested yeah. in it?
2: Yeah, sorry, uh, someone just opened my front door and closed it, so that was that was strange. Um, oh, you, you can go check that out. <laughs> no, no, it's <laughs> fine. By I all think means, just, do you live I with think other just, people. <laughs> no, I don't. I think they're just working on the house. Uh, anyway, <laughs> all right, uh, first.
0: <laughs> first podcast guests having their home invaded uh yep. during the pod, so this, is, wow, this will be exciting screen. and <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah okay well okay so let me let me tell you about authoritarianism um yeah i mean so uh, it's a authoritarianism obviously is something that is of increasing interest to the world it seems to be on the rise uh not only at the governmental level of you know governments are sort of cracking down on civil liberties and freedoms and authoritarian leaders are being elected or seizing power or consolidating power authoritarian like actors from authoritarian governments are like trying to undermine democracies that kind of thing Um, and from the psychological side of things that is trying to understand who's drawn to this sort of governance the the sorts of like interpersonal dynamics that come with authoritarianism so being submissive to people above you and dominant toward people below you um, there, there there's been this gap in that literature for like 60 years which is that it's only focused on one flavor of authoritarianism this right-wing, kind of socially conservative, traditionalist flavor. Um, but when we look out into the world, we see that it comes in all shapes and sizes. Um, and, you know, I think some of us might even know authoritarians, like, in an academic sense, you know, who who really hate and try to clamp down on people who disagree with them and use their power and that kind of thing. Um, and so, but because it's, it's largely a political construct, the really obvious direction to explore this more and get the full scope of it was to look at left wing authoritarianism, especially because um well not not only because it's that's sort of the political divide that's most salient, but also because we're seeing a rise in intolerance um, sort of everywhere, or at least that was the hypothesis that it would be a good time to look at left wing authoritarianism um so that's what we did um we we took we were really inspired by personality literature, the the way that constructs were assessed and scales were developed and used to really clarify what the construct actually was, Um, and we applied that to the realm of political psychology. So rather than start with, hey, here's right-wing authoritarianism, I wonder if it's looking exactly the same, quite symmetrical in the left... We, we went around and asked various experts what they thought authoritarianism lo- looked like, what they thought left-wing authoritarianism looked like, from all sorts of fields, so political science and philosophy and psychology and other other places. Um, and from that, as well as with our own kind of hunches and theories, we built a fairly large pool of items um, and, and a-theoretically analyzed them and looked at the dimensional structure and the patterns of relations with external criteria— and did that several times revising the item pool based on our results each time until we, we arrived at a model a conceptualization of authoritarianism that seemed to make sense and seemed to function well um, and at that point we had the, the bulk of the scale too um, so, so that was that was kind of the arc the arc of things and and what we found um, which was in some ways surprising and in some ways it wasn't, was that there are lots of psychological characteristics in for which the left-wing authoritarianism and right-wing authoritarianism looks very symmetrical. Um, So both in terms of the direction, like so with something like dogmatism or uh, uh, low agreeableness for social dominance orientation and left-wing authoritarianism, um, both the direction and the effect size is the same. And then there are other characteristics where they differ differ fairly markedly. Um, The right seems to be a bit more cognitively rigid. the left seems to uh believe in science more although that may just be a function of like the current political environment um and the the final conclusion that we drew is that this construct authoritarianism is was not fully understood despite there being this gargantuan literature about it that that there were other kinds of authoritarianism um that were important to understand if we really wanted to build out like under like if we really wanted to clarify this construct and maybe even like try to uh, talk to or think about the people who are drawn to authoritarianism um and, and one way you can think about that is is like overfitting a model to its training data um so you know if if you map and model every single crevice and every every kind of bit of sampling error or or uh, idiosyncrasy in one training data set, that model is not going to generalize very well to a different data set because you've overfit. And I think that's kind of what's happened with right wing authoritarianism. We've overfit authoritarianism to right wing authoritarianism.
1: Um, so I have just. Th- that was a great uh, sort of overview of what you've done. Um, but I think it might be helpful to just like break it down a little bit more into like the, the definitions. Um, and I was wondering, like, yes. is there. Do you think there is such a thing as like neutral like authoritarianism, where there's no left wing or right wing aspect to it? Um, and if so, yeah. what is that?
2: So uh, authoritarianism is, in effect, coercively and uh, dogmatically imposing your values on other people, oftentimes by any means necessary. So that extends to like the use of force, um, and um, it also involves things like like power dynamics, like using uh, the the leadership and powers that your side has to uh, allow that, like to, to um, impose that coercion um, and also submitting to the uh, sorts of authorities that you think are important to submit to, basically. Um, and to answer your question about neutral authoritarianism, I, I guess yes and no. I, I think of it as so you need an authoritarianism manifests through an ideological prism. Um, so you need to be authoritarian in respect to something. Um, and because of that i I, if someone was totally apathetic and didn't really have convictions no i don't think that, that they would be particularly authoritarian um but i don't i also don't think that it's something that is exclusive to left or right um i think it's it's like a cognitive personality sort of uh phenomena sort of construct um that is very salient in the political realm because people tend to care a lot about politics and that's how kind of power is uh uh Allocated is through through political levers, um, but you can be authoritarian about religion or about you know any other domain that that you care about.
1: So you're just like to clarify. So your definition of like coercively and dogmatically, sort of imposing your values mm-hmm. um, using power uh, to put that onto others, yeah. that would apply to both like right and left wing. People, it's just like the, the values that they are coercing are going to be different. Is that more or less mm-hmm. right? Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah, um, and right wing authoritarianism specifically has been defined most commonly as this uh, this cluster of three traits: uh, submission, aggression, and conventionalism. Um, submission being what it sounds like, obsequiousness towards authority. Aggression sort of also being what it sounds like, namely aggressing against people who are different from you or trying to subvert your your chosen authority. And then traditionalism is essentially social conservatism. Um, so, so that's how it's, it's typically be, been defined. Mm. So interesting. So you've developed
0: a scale uh, that measures left-wing authoritarianism as an individual difference. Um, mm. And it's a very interesting scale so it has three three sort of sub factors um so first anti-hierarchical aggression so i call this the the eat the rich sub factor so the the items items loading on this factor the rich should be stripped of their belongings and status rich people should be forced to give up virtually all of their wealth if i could remake society i would put people who currently have the most privilege at the very bottom so this very, uh, I guess, for, it's almost like a um, very focused on class hierarchy uh, mm. and wanting to sort of upturn um, socioeconomic yeah. hierarchy within a society. So the second one, anti-conventionalism. I call this the everyone who disagrees with me is racist subfactor. So <laughs> schools should be required by law to teach children about our country's history of racism, classism, sexism, and homophobia. Anyone who opposes gay marriage must be homophobic. Deep down, just about all conservatives are racist, sexist, and homophobic. So this subfactor seems to be capturing something about really um, cultural values uh, and really like uh, the the kind of person who just sort of knows they have all the right values and everybody on the other side of politics is wrong about everything and just evil and horrible. And and the final one is an interesting one: top-down censorship. Uh, it's pretty self-explanatory university authorities a right to ban hateful speech from campus I should have the right not to be exposed to offensive views to succeed a workplace must ensure that its employees feel safe from criticism <laughs> um, yeah so I guess this kind of um, I view that like uh, ad- the ad- yeah. administration of institutions should be like quite heavy-handed in saying you know what what kind of speech is allowed? What kind of speech is disallowed? And very much siding on the kind of uh, safety, protection, uh, banning right. banning anything that's seen as bad speech. Um, so yeah, like I, I'm interested in how you think about these constructs. So these th- these three things do seem like they would be positively correlated, but they also seem quite quite different like for example like uh Mm i i i I wouldn't be like super high on the uh anti-hierarchical aggression factor but i also wouldn't be super low so i guess i'm wondering like how how do you how do these things distributed in the population do you think uh is it sort of bimodal or or are they sort of um
2: most people most people around that's a good question um they are Normally distributed, with the exception of anti-hierarchical aggression, which is not terribly, but slightly positively skewed, um, at least as we've measured them. Um, w- one thing I would note too—I mean, a—I would say I wish we had you to name the factors when we were writing this paper. Because, <laughs> <laughs> um, but but also, it, you know, it's it, as with other psychological constructs, as with author- right-wing authoritarianism. Uh, Understanding what it is is an iterative process, and so these are our preliminary model this is our preliminary model, mm-hmm. the preli- preliminary items. It is by no means like the hard end it's not the answer it's not the final I- I- scale, um, although it does seem to work quite well um, and but yes, I think you've done a good job of, of summarizing it and, and that's that seems to be the gist of the factors um, in terms of how they're related uh, they are are fairly highly correlated um but seem to predict uh seems different sorts of criteria they seem to be phenotypically diverse um the this three factor solution really uh stuck out throughout the process of building the scale and that's why I think it it is uh, there's good reason to believe that this mm. is a, a pretty explanatorily powerful model of mm. left-wing authoritarianism. Mm. Um, Do you think? But yeah, go ahead. So the first
0: factor, like, it. I just picture Antifa when I when I sort of read these items in the first factor because uh, I, you know, mm. I, I actually like was involved in quite a lot of progressive activism in Australia before moving to the states, and so like, yeah, the like. Uh, <laughs> when i was reading the paper i just was constantly thinking about individuals that i've met individuals I- in my life and, and sort of connecting them to these these constructs and so the the first factor seems like the kind of activist that is out there throwing molotov cocktails uh, you know at police stations right. and, and stuff like that the second two factors even though i like i i i guess i i'm just curious if like there's a different kind of person that's high on two and three but might not be so high on one right like it does seem to me that there's like you know in uh, your your sort of the dei professionals in a university might be quite high on two and three but not you know not necessarily want to like tear down uh, Capitalism. Um,
2: you know, so, like, um... yeah, absolutely. I totally. I mean, I. I think you're right about that. I mean, that'd be really interesting to look at. Um, I personally am most interested in that first factor. I, 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 the the second and and third are, are perhaps useful too, but I, I think the first one's most interesting for the exact for the reason that you just mentioned. Um, and uh, the the, the, the w- one question is whether these attitudes that involve coercion and involve sort of moral absolutism and intolerance uh, naturally cluster together or whether they have been sort of environmentally uh, pushed to cluster together by because of political discourse uh, in, in the media and that kind of thing. So are people who are psychologically disposed to want to overthrow the establishment, are they also the ones who are like... Well, you're a racist if if X Y Z. No matter you know, no matter what. Um, that's that's an interesting question. I'm not sure um, what the answer is. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I.
0: Sorry, sorry, Rachel. If I'm hogging hogging Tom <laughs> right now, but like I just find this really interesting. I do. I almost I do think like as I was reading the paper, like a lot of it does seem very very sort of U S. 2020 centric right like this and i think even like five or six years ago right like when i moved to the states like um factors two and three just were seemed like a lot less salient to me right like and i it almost seems like since this quote-unquote great awakening, these factors have just sort of been pushed together right so now if you go to a, a dsa meeting say a democratic socialist of america like there's all this sort of um uh, there's all, there's all this identity politics and 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 talk about racism and sexism and homophobia this sort of like uh whereas like certainly in left-wing circles that that stuff existed but like it, it just wasn't wasn't as dominant and, and i i almost feel like in the occupy movement and this is I guess going back a bit more than six or seven years it was really interesting in the occupy movement because you had like a lot of people that were like no we we just need to like take down the 1% like let's like racism's important sexism imp- is important homophobia is important but like you know we're, classes yeah like and and you know a lot of those what what i would call sort of old school old school lefties i could see them being super high on one but not very high on two and three and then you know, but there were also a a lot of people in the, in the movement, like we at Occupy Melbourne, for example, we had like a a progressive stack of the speakers, right? So like you, if you wanted to speak at a general assembly, you got put in order, but you got ranked based on like your identity characteristics, right? Which is is sort of a very like, you know, progressive gender studies, like uh, type thing to do. So it was all sort of already like being mixed up, but I almost just feel like yeah specifically recently in history it's been like yeah if you want to exist in progressive spaces you sort of need to fall in line on like all of these three factors in a way that maybe you didn't before um so i'm curious how you think yeah like in 10 years in 20 years uh what do you think is going to become like do you think like this is sort of an inexorable progression that this these things have just been binded now and like and will be forevermore, or or do you think like maybe this scale will sort of be like it'll things will evolve and it'll be like oh well yeah in 2020 usa this was the shape of left-wing authoritarianism but that's that's sort of going to shift over time and context
2: yeah i think i mean i don't know i time will tell i i would like to think for my sake that it would stick together but i don't really have any reason to think that it will um i, I, I it is sort of interesting to note though that there's definitely been um like uh social justice consciousness anti-racist sorts of um uh ideas throughout leftist movements at least in the 20th century so if you look at like soviet propaganda they're like you know painting the statue of liberty with like a kkk uh um hat on and and accusing the US of of uh being racist which of course it was and is to some extent but but the the uh uh that was leveraged as like hey so like communism is better um and and that's not something that's really gone away they have always been related to one another the uh tear down the the class hierarchy overthrow things and social justice um, but of course in some ways they're almost paradoxical at least as social justice has been implemented because there is a sense of hierarchy to it as you noted and um, that's one thing that really I find compelling about authoritarianism in general because you see it in the right too um, where social dominance orientation is this, this uh, competitive hierarchy we need to uh, uh, put ourselves above worse groups that kind of thing And then the right-wing authoritarianism, which is submissiveness, and and John Duckett has conceptualized authoritarianism as the the co-variation of those two things, even though they're not all that highly correlated in the general population. Um, And and with the left-wing authoritarianism, I think you get the same thing. where The anti-hierarchical aggression factor one is almost like an imperfect parallel to social dominance orientation, and then the other two factors are an imperfect parallel to to right-wing authoritarianism.
1: So I wanted to ask, um, a lot of these things, like, don't seem inherently authoritarian. Um, So like, for example, I guess like my question is, if someone did want to have more equality in society, to have less inequality, um, or if someone did want to have like more social justice, like those things aren't inherently authoritarian. Um, so is it the fact that there's like force involved that makes it authoritarian or I guess like if you're, so let me just take a couple of items. Like, um, the one school should be required by law to teach children about our country's history of, you know, racism, sexism, etc. I think most people think of that, like law, I don't know, maybe not, maybe I'm wrong about this, but like, it seems like there is, um, a role for law to there to be like laws about what we teach in school right like i think there should be like i don't know maybe i'm being authoritarian but i think like we should have laws about like we teach evolution we don't teach creationism for example like um and so would like if someone were wouldn't someone just like be reasonable in saying there should be a law about. Yeah,
2: I, th- I mean, there's a there's absolutely an argument to be made there. Um, that was one reason why I, I thought it was important to uh, build the item pool at least somewhat a theoretically, um, and use what uh, which items clustered together and what they predicted as the basis of choosing them rather than their their face validity. Um, and we also tried to bring in like an IRT item response theory perspective, where we have items of varying difficulty in each factor. So. Um, some items, if even if you're like below the population mean on left-wing authoritarianism, you would endorse them. Some items, even if you're two standard deviations above the population mean on left-wing authoritarianism, maybe you'd say maybe to them. Um, and so it's, uh, I would endorse some of the LWA items. Um, I I I think that was kind of the goal here was to build a scale that that had was able to distinguish between different gradations on the trait. Um, And that's one reason why some of the items are less uh, intense than others. That being said, I mean, I I do. You know, there are people that like to like homeschool or send their children to private schools or or whatever else. Um, And I'm, I mean, there are laws that protect that. So I I think this this would maybe be a case where if the government said everyone has to go to the same kind of school and that school has to teach the same thing, that would that would be something that's authoritarian.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, So. Yeah, Paul. Do you want to?
0: Yeah, like I guess I I was thinking about a similar thing too, and just um, I mean, like this is science, right? Like you're not you're not saying left wing authoritarianism is, is necessarily bad in all shapes and contexts and forms, and and I I mean the the wealth distribution one's really interesting because I almost think by definition. If you want to radically change the wealth distribution in a society, it has to happen by force and by authority like i don't I don't see I don't know of any real political ideology that has that as a goal that doesn't think top down force is necessary to achieve it like i mean even like I've known a lot of anarchists um and I kind of think most of them. Uh, insane but they even they like they have this end goal in mind where there is no authority and like we just live in this utopia and everybody shares everything and we're all equal somehow (laughs) and like nobody decides to get guns and take everything (laughs) for themselves or like if anybody ever does that then all of a sudden i don't know everybody else just happens to have enough force to resist them and stop them uh like but without having any like police force or armies or anything like that but anyway like even they think that comes about through sort of violent revolution and and violent resistance and and like you you know nobody thinks that the the super rich are just gonna one day wake up and be convinced by moral arguments uh and give away all their wealth right so yeah it's it's i I found that interesting because i've always yeah i've always been aware that i um yeah w- would like a, a more equal wealth distribution and also understanding that that does make me kind of totalitarian in a way like i i definitely like am not libertarian in the sense that yeah your private property is yours and like you know the rest of us have, have no right to it because if, if if you are then you can't sort of or it's, or it's very difficult to imagine how you could like create a more equal um equal society. But yeah, so apologies for the monologue. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm curious, like what, what made you specifically interested in this? Like what, what was it about your life or your experiences? Was it, was it personal experience or was it sort of looking at the news? And like, when you, when you think of LWA, who do you think of? Like, are you thinking of, it seems like you're interested in like the violent revolutionaries more so than the sort of dogmatic DEI consultants. Would that be fair?
2: Yeah. I would say that's fair to say uh, <laughs> for sure. I, 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 well, can I, can I, before I answer that, can I respond to the, the, the point? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, so I think that's a really good point Um that, to enact certain like political outcomes you need to use force and I, what i'm what i'm really interested in here is in terms of people's psychological characteristics in terms of the way that these beliefs naturally cluster together how can we describe this milieu of of beliefs and and what we found with the anti-hierarchical aggression factor is that it does seem to be fairly marketed, markedly related to like low trait agreeableness, low honesty, humility, um, other sorts of characteristics that are typically associated with um, the like poles of the normal trait spectrum, which some call personality disorder traits or maladaptive traits. Um, and and so there is like a real undercurrent of antagonism in that milieu. I'm not saying that everyone who certainly, I'm, I'm definitively not saying that everyone who believes those things is like antagonistic. Or, but but I am saying that this is something that we can use to like a psycho, psychological characteristic that predicts this set of beliefs. Um, and and I think that's why it's a, a useful and important thing to study. Um, to answer the question about why I'm interested in it more broadly. Um, it just it it struck me as such a necessary thing for someone to do thoroughly for psychological science, um, and the fact that no one had done it. In, uh, and then, of course, as I was working on it, a different left-wing authoritarianism scale came out. So, so <laughs> it wasn't true. That, it wasn't true that no one had done it. But when I started, the fact that no one had done it um, seemed like. Everyone's afraid of what will happen if they study this, or uh, and there there were some attempts, but but they weren't successful, and I think they were unsuccessful almost necessarily because of some of the assumptions they made about what authoritarianism is. Um, and uh, and so with the uh, encouragement and you know kind of protection of my, of my PhD advisor, now late PhD advisor, who has a history of kind of taking on. Um, uh, Controversy, mm. like like picking up controversies, um, and uh, this was I, was, Scott, I was Scott Lillian, Scott, Scott Lillianfeld. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah um, so those those things kind of coalesced, and I was like, okay, sure, I'll I'll study this. And I became I've always been very interested in politics and worldviews and why people believe the things they believe, and so this was uh, that this area really naturally lent itself to that, and that, that's why I chose to study it. I yeah, I think
0: it's 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 an interesting it's an interesting point and as i was reading the paper and sort of reading you sort of talk about how little attention psychologists have paid to it i was really struck because it's not it's not actually rare in society to recognize left-wing authoritarianism like I, after trump after trump got elected i actually joined a bunch of conservative facebook groups and conservatives very readily recognize left-wing authoritarianism, right? Like the way they talk about Bernie Sanders, the way they talk about AOC, they link these people directly to Mao and Lenin and Pol Pot. You know, like this is, it's it's not rare. Like our society, I would say, totally recognizes that left-wing authoritarianism is a thing. And I would say maybe in the U.S. probably overestimates the threat a little bit of it. But it's so interesting that we have this whole psychological literature where that perspective just isn't represented. And it, it made me think about uh, viewpoint diversity and the importance of viewpoint diversity. And I, yeah, just, like, how, like, I guess I, th- I feel like your experience and the the fact that you sort of came in and there was this obvious gaping chasm and sort of like you you kind of had this this whole area almost to yourself i don't know who these other people are right. who
2: are sort of oh yeah your luke, Con- luke conway yeah screw uh, screw luke Conway like no he's <laughs> lucas he's, he's great he's <laughs> great um no he yeah uh, well, and i should also say i forgot another thing that that i think a lot like made me want to study this was i went i did my undergraduate in, I mean, I guess it has continued to rise, but at, during a real like high, height of this, I, I finished in 2016, and I was also a spoke a spoken word poet, um, and I went to like different tournaments and that sort of thing, and that's like really just like pure distilled like real intense hierarchy and authoritarian, and I was so surprised, authoritarian. So I was very surprised to see that because these are artistic people; these are ostensibly like open people um, and it was like it was it was really uh, i don't it it was shockingly intense and and that was something that that made me interested in studying this too um, yeah
1: so so would you say you agree with Paul that um, the lack of political and ideological diversity in academia is sort of the reason that um this hasn't been explored very much and also how do you yeah. define your own politics if you uh Yeah wanna share. I
2: yeah, I mean I probably it's probably one reason why it hasn't been explored as much. Um I and I think that's like kind of a it's the the actual like causal steps are sort of mundane. It's like no one, you know, you only have so much time and research energy Um, so why would you, if you're not if you don't have a vendetta or or if you would get flack for studying this, why would you want to go do it when you can study other things? Um, Which wouldn't be true if there were very many conservatives at all in academia. Um, So yeah, I mean, I think this is like a fairly clear instance of where where viewpoint diversity is harmful. Um, I I don't know if, I don't know. I guess I, I'm not a conservative. I'll say that. Um, I, I, I don't like, f- f- I'm I'm not someone who's on the right at all. Um, and so that's, that's what I'll say about my politics. <laughs>
1: that's fair. Oh, that's um. not for
2: you to say, Tom. <laughs> that, that's, uh, <laughs> that,
0: that's for, um, enough, yeah. that, that's, that's, that's for other people like, uh, Manny Okay, to, Manny to say. No, um, I, I'm interested in uh, this concept of flack uh, and what the experience has been like because i I can see how your research project could be construed as um, sort of um, pushing a harmful narrative, right? Like so I could see John Jost, for example, looking at these three subfactors and saying, What's what's wrong with wanting wealth distribution? The, the 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 wealth distribution is 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 horribly unequal. And then, and but conservatives are racist. Like, look at this data. Like, they are homophobic. Look at this data. Why you know? And then saying like, well, what's wrong with pr- protecting people from like speech, harmful speech? Like, um, and so from I could see. I don't know if this is John Jost's actual point of view on your work, but I could see somebody like him. Looking at this work and saying, why are you trying to tar these people with these lofty, admirable motives with the label of uh, authoritarianism uh, and pushing back on it a lot? And I'm curious what your experience has been like with that inside the academia. Sure. Academy.
2: Well, I would say, I think it's important to note that at that point, we're not doing science anymore. And I could just as easily say, well, what's wrong with the status quo? Capitalism has produced all of these quality of life improvements and fewer people are starving and vaccines and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and he wouldn't, you know, it's it's not really a falsifiable claim. Um, and, and so in the same way that system justification theory and right-wing authoritarianism are are useful to study, I think left-wing authoritarianism is too. Um, And um, so that's A. B, my experience with it, it hasn't been that terrible, which I was sort of surprised to find. Um, I guess, you know, left or right or no viewpoint diversity, some viewpoint diversity, lots of viewpoint, whatever the case may be, I think for the most part, Psychological scientists are just that they're scientists and so with only a handful of exceptions people have been open to this possibility I have noticed that there is a fairly stark divide between social and personality there though where the personality people are like oh yeah right duh, this makes sense um, and then the social people have had a bit have required a bit more uh, conversation about it. that's, such a, that's <laughs>
0: such a nice way of saying it
2: <laughs> Yeah, they, they require
0: a bit more conversation. I, I love that. Yeah. So what's the case... Sorry, go ahead, Richard. Well,
1: I was wondering... Um, so, I, like, I was curious about Luke Conway's uh, paper because he published a paper in 2017 about left-wing authoritarianism, and I didn't hear anyone talk about it, but I have heard a lot of people talk about your paper. Um, I was just wondering, like, how where you see differences or similarities between your the two of your projects yeah. and and how that fits in
2: yeah um, that's a good question we so it's I, Luke's group and and his research um, program in this area and mine um, diverge in a lot of their like baseline assumptions about what authoritarianism is and methodologies um, so Luke's work which is great really, Takes the right-wing authoritarianism scale and kind of builds a mirror version that has uh, some left-wing keywords in it um, as to uh, to frame the the authoritarianism items toward left-wing respondents. And and what he finds there is that uh, people who score highly on those sorts of LWA items, so something like um, I'm not going to remember verbatim what what the items of the scale are, and I don't want to butcher them. Um, but but what he finds is that people who respond highly to them also endorse um, tailored versions of like dogmatism scale items, as well as well as like things like political and intolerance and, and that kind of thing. Um, and so his conclusion is really the same as mine, which is that this is something that predicts important outcomes and it's relevant, and we should study it. Um, and that's It's it's very different approaches, but they have arrived at the same point, which I think really underscores that point, which is that this is a a useful construct.
0: Are people like hammering stuff in your house right now?
2: honestly, yeah, it's banging. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it must be happening outside. (laughs) I'm so sorry. That's unfortunate. (laughs) I I didn't know. I I didn't know that this was
0: going to happen. No, we we chose this time. Great. So I I I'm I'm curious like what when I when I think about this and and I think about well left-wing authoritarianism something that exists it's a personality variable but also like it seems like it uh it, it, you know is a social problem in a number of ways, right? Uh and also could increase or decrease depending on Like social factors, right? I'm I'm sure you're aware of this sort of research showing that uh, greater and greater proportions of Americans are sort of willing to endorse political violence, um, which, uh, yeah, I find pretty alarming. So, like, what if 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 you were talking to somebody, John Jost, or somebody else, and they were just sort of kind of like dismissing. Left wing authoritarianism as a threat or as a problem or as anything we need to really care about and study what's the best case you could make for no this is important this is a potential social problem this is something we should be thinking about potentially doing something about um and and here's here's why like here's the harm that is being done by people high on this uh high on this
2: um yeah factor yeah uh sure. I was distracted by the hair, hair, ha- hammering. <laughs> Sorry, so, <laughs> shouldn't just give have me mentioned that. That's <laughs> no, okay. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I think once we get into these value value judgments, it's tricky. But here's my argument: um, we are not going to be able to understand what the general constructs or general set of constellation of psychological processes underlying authoritarian worldviews, whether it's on the right or the left or some new. Faction that metastasizes and combines the two, or whatever in the future, whatever the case may be, right? Um, and as an aside, I'm—I don't think that's completely implausible. I mean, like some of the communist totalitarian regimes combined like this anti-hierarchical facet with social justice, with conservatism and traditionalism in other respects. So, so this left-right spectrum is maybe not the most useful distinction to make, actually, when we're studying authoritarianism, um, but we need to be able to show that other kinds of authoritarianism exists in order to move beyond the left-right distinction. Um, But anyway, so so it's useful because, A, I mean, it is something that is happening. We're seeing... Violence. We're seeing this set of beliefs really ascend, and if we can describe the psychological characteristics that are associated with them, then great. And if those characteristics, in some ways, are symmetrical to the ones associated with right-wing authoritarianism, and that's useful data. Um, it's also notable that they're not associated with them in other ways. Um, and one hypothesis that could, you know, very well turn out to be true is that people with different motivations and sets of experiences. Are channeled to the left wing versus right wing authoritarianism via distinct paths, and they just end up looking like each other. Um, so it could be that there are two totally different things going on. It could be that there's this shared psychological core. Um, understanding those possibilities is just—it's important. You know, it's—it's it's an important question to know what's really going on under the surface here. And and for the folks who are really like um, really care about the threat of right-wing extremism, right-wing authoritarianism, I would say that this, the left-wing authoritarianism paradigm is an important step in understanding the right-wing too. Um, because we need something to compare it with. If there's no uh, point of comparison, then it's it's sort of not very useful. In it.
1: Do you think that there's... So I guess I'm interested in where authoritarianism comes from. Like, is it genetic uh i guess or like where do you think the the origins of it are and also do you think that it's something that we can potentially change in people or is it just like you, whatever level of authoritarian you are that's how you are and
2: yeah there there's some great work showing that um traditionalism and elements of right-wing authoritarianism are are, are fairly strongly heritable more so than like broadband normal range political ideology is like left or right um and it would i uh, no one i i want to look at the i want i i would love to do like a a twin study with some l w a items um if i could get some money for that um at some point I think it's a really interesting question i mean most things are heritable so I think it, it, if I'm right about it being a personality construct to any extent, it will it will be heritable, um, and so there there's probably a, a genetic element involving things like uh, threat sensitivity, perhaps like neuroticism, antagonism, um, cognitive style. Um, so, and in terms of the um, whether it's dynamic, whether it can change, um, that's sort of an open question, too. Karen, Karen Stenner, a brilliant political scientist, has, has a lot of work showing that uh, authoritarianism tends to manifest in response to uh, what she calls normative threats, so threats to uh, the, the set of uh, no, like norms and the status quo that people have, their, their little bubble. Um, and and it's almost like the diathesis stress model of depression, where you have a genetic liability for depression that is activated by stressors in your environment. Um, same thing goes according to Center for for authoritarianism. Um, I haven't. We we, we did a, a little experiment in that JPS paper JPSP paper looking at whether uh, threats similar threats activate behavioral aggression and whether LWA predicts that activation, and we found that it does, as does RWA. So that's some preliminary evidence to show that that same kind of dynamic diathesis stress thing may happen on the left. Um, but again, because it's a new construct, it, it's hard to say for certain.
1: So um, one of the things that I did come across on Twitter this week, unfortunately, Um was there's this Axios poll that's been going around um, about how college students don't want to date people with opposing political views, um, which uh, we didn't need that poll. I think there's already a lot of data on that, but whatever. Um, But the the more interesting, I guess, finding that people were talking about was how uh, uneven it was between Republicans and Democrats where more Democrats, much more Democrats... Um, were opposed to the idea of dating Republican than vice versa. Um, and a lot of the discourse that I was seeing about it was like, well, obviously, because Republicans are evil, so, like, <laughs> of course you wouldn't want to date them. <laughs> um, and I think that that view of, like, I've heard that a lot lately from um, people who uh, we won't name, Uh <laughs> No, it was Manny. Um, Of that, the idea that, like, you know, we don't need more conservatives in academia because conservatives are wrong about everything. And also, they're all like racist and sexist and homophobic. And, like, um, so I guess, I guess I'm wondering, like, how, what if that were true? So I don't think that's true. But if it were, would it still be considered like an authoritarian? Uh, perspective to be like, like, basically like bigoted, prejudiced yeah. against people.
2: Yeah, no, it's it's a good question. I, and okay, I'll say two things. I mean, one, I find that that data a little unremarkable, but not for the reason that you just suggested. I think it may just be like a base rates thing, where there are more people on the left than right, so the pool of dating is much broader. So, whereas if you're for, if you're on the left, whereas if you're on the right, you have a fairly narrow selection of people to date in your own ideological cohort, so you're more willing to go outside of that. It might just be that. Um, and and two, um, yeah, I mean, if you know, you hear this argument with like, okay, so like we're supposed to like listen to Nazis and other sorts of things just for the sake of viewpoint diversity. No, I mean, of course not. Um, and of course, like tolerating fascism, like literal actual fascism, is is not like not tolerating it is not authoritarianism per se um that being said this is a uh, spectrum and and uh i mean i think the word authoritarianism throws people in, and maybe wrong to use in some ways like i would actually advocate for changing it center, karen center again has has suggested calling it differenceism instead and I think that's a useful way of understanding it. Um, and so even if that were the case, right, where, like, some people are going to be more open to these evil, awful people than others. Some people are going to be more willing to hear them out and talk to them and allow them to have rights than others, no matter what the severity of their, like, moral transgression. Um, and that spectrum is really what I'm interested in, and that's what we're calling authoritarianism. So it's it may be, like... The, the the actual like moral worth of like being intolerant may change depending on who we're being intolerant of but the tendency to be intolerant is still there's still individual differences there that we can study and learn about how humans work based on them. So it
1: sounds like you're really trying to like tease apart the normativeness of authoritarianism like it's not um, like you're trying to say like it's not like authoritarianism, is inherently like good or bad? It sort of depends mm-hmm. on the context and depends on the the amount of authoritarianism. Right.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So where where to from here with this research? Right. Like, I I'm curious. Like, um, has there been much interest in this work from political scientists? Um, do you yeah. think? Like, I could see, like really cool work being done uh, you know qualitative work with people sort of uh, you know embedding themselves yeah. in antifa cells although like, absolutely I'm sure that yeah. the antifa cell would not allow that like what you no your... well
2: that's what Adorno kind of did with the, the original tech the authoritarian personality that you know came out in 1950 that was really like this seminal work of social science uh, it, it stemmed from interviews with like Nazi sympathizers in the United States and so um, I think qualitative work this would be great here. Um, I'm interested in developing a generalizable model of authoritarianism and using the left and right scales as criteria, basically, for it to ensure that it is predicting both of those things. Um, that is, it's a tricky proposition for many of the same, like for the same reasons that we've been talking about that there, there there's kind of moral relativism, almost like necessarily part and parcel with the construct and and uh we need to be able to word items in ways that aren't queuing any one partisan sentiment while, while also like ensuring that they're actually measuring the thing because if you ask someone well like yeah most conservative are most conservatives evil and so like we should just like get rid of that whole set of beliefs we should just do whatever we can um <laughs> you're going to get a different sort of response than if you ask someone people with different political beliefs than i do are are often evil and we need to get rid of their beliefs um it's just not quite as salient because it's not uh domain specific um and so the the problem with developing this generalized scale is like how do you marry these these different kind of sets of concerns um that's one thing i'm hoping to do i mean there's all sorts i mean there's like i think a really rich opportunity for like developmental work with authoritarianism generally, um, and that could look be like alongside some behavioral genetic sorts of things. Um, more broadly, I'm interested in getting away from the left right spectrum in political psychology. I would love the field to kind of try to get a little bit more complexity in our models and theories and ways of thinking. Um, And I think that pointing out that there are not only there are both symmetries and asymmetries and that they're not following any one sort of coherent theoretical pattern, at least not at present. Um, And and one way that we can do that is by looking at left wing authoritarianism. So really what I want is to like urge the field to kind of think a little bit more um, broadly in terms of why people have the belief systems that they have.
1: Can you uh, say more about what do you think is missing when we just use right and left wing or liberal and conservative is often uh, sort of the split that you see in, in psych studies? Yeah.
2: yeah I, I, well, so, like, what what is conservatism, right? Like, is it this philosophical set of principles where, like, if we progress too quickly, then we risk, like doing something horribly wrong or getting rid of a protection that we forgot why it was even there in the first place and will, will cause all these problems to have, um, Does that doesn't really seem to be reflected in conservative policies anymore. Um, what, social conservatism is quite psychologically different than economic conservatism. We, we know that they predict oftentimes like opposite directions of, of like relations with psychological characteristics. So they don't seem to be psychologically bound to each other. Um, why are we looking at this as a single spectrum um and and i think you can uh you know also then bring in things like environment and things like symbolic identification with say like the right or the left of those are my people um and i believe the, the things that i believe because that's what my people believe at which point we're like totally outside of the realm of psychology predicting specific beliefs um and and so i think disentangling those three levels like the philosophical the actual policy and the principle and then mapping them on to different uh processes like whether it's environmental influences psychological influences that's going to be much more fruitful than just focusing on the single band of left versus right where we don't even really know what that means um necessarily because it means different things to different people
1: yeah i found that like I think that yeah that's something that I'm interested in is just people's ability to self report their political views accurately like when we ask people you know place yourself on a 1 to 7 scale even if it is even if we break it down into social and economic um conservatism I I just feel like people have a sense of like what they value and the policies that maybe they support if you ask them explicitly but I don't know how well they are able to actually map that on and say like, you know, because I believe in like XYZ that makes me like a 3 on a conservatism scale. Is that have you looked into that uh, explicitly? Is
2: Yeah, I mean, and this is something that political scientists have have done a lot of great work on. Um one one uh, I think relatively canonical finding in that literature is that Many, if not most, people are not ideological in any meaningful way. Um, that they don't have a kind of a epistemically coherent set of beliefs. So, like their beliefs contradict each other, or or they're just not related to each other. Um, they're not following any sort of coherent pattern. Um, but despite that, people are still symbolically very staunchly conservative or staunchly liberal. And it's only a subset, like twenty or thirty percent of politically engaged people who have epistemically coherent belief systems um, and w- well one thing that's interesting about that is it's actually like spell it's I-, I think actually quite good for like the John Josts and sorts of people who argue that there are these dramatic psychological differences because one thing you could take away is that well maybe our effect sizes are are only applying to thirty percent of the samples that we're using, and actually maybe they're much larger. Um, but by the same token, if it is everyone, including the people who don't have like an ide- epistemically coherent belief system, then that means that the reason that psychological characteristics are predicting ideology is not because of any sort of resonance between ideology and those psychological characteristics. It's because of the sorts of environments that they grew up in the, the, the uh, way that they identify themselves with their group. Um, and a lot of the theories that we have focus on the former rather than the latter. Um, so it could be good or bad for those theories. It's interesting. So I want um, just to ask you, uh,
0: a bit more about, um, Your experience in in the field uh so i mean in a lot of ways you've done exactly the perfect thing in grad school right like you've obviously learned a lot of methodological chops but not only that you've you've got high profile publications and like this is you've carved out a a sort of niche there's this topic that like you i mean I'm I'm ignoring this Luke guy for now but like this is this is like kind of your era you have a calling card like you have a job talk um so objectively your career prospects should be really good um however you know <laughs> the situation's a bit more complex than that right like if um every almost every single job that I saw advertised this past job cycle basically wanted a left-wing authoritarian (laughs) basically was looking for somebody with radical progressive politics who's studying systemic bias and oppression and like um has has a very sort of like just this like monomaniacal viewpoint like that this is the, the only person that is in demand right now in our field so um so you said that like your experience wasn't as bad as you might have expected or might have feared uh just in terms of like researching something that's a bit um a bit different or sort of introducing sort of um uh diversity of thought um i and, yeah so i'm just wondering like what cuz i also sometimes just have the suspicion that these things aren't quite as bad as we think. But then I go, I go back and forth because yeah. it's incredibly hard to judge. So I'm just wondering, like from your perspective, uh, do you, do you think you can survive in the
2: field as it is currently and survives? A, a, you know, it's a, well, it's a... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, we'll see. Right. Yeah. Like I, I, I did, a, I applied for jobs this year. Um I, I, was fairly picky, um, so I'd love to blame it on, you know, just being too uh, whatever for these jobs. Um, who knows if that's actually true, probably not. Um, but, but I do think there are uh, incentives not to hire me when there's so many other great people out there who don't have this other, this potentially uh, controversial or less than ideal research program. Um, I, I could see that being a, a defining. Factor. I will say that I don't think that my that the results of like in terms of outcomes were consistent with what someone with my record who studied an innocuous topic would have. But who knows? Maybe my research statement was just really awful. Right? So like it could be that. Uh, when you say you were
0: selective how many, how many jobs did you go let's talk numbers how many jobs did you go for uh, how many invites did like you get for th- job like talks oh
2: so like f- maybe like thir- 14 or 15 jobs all R1s or R1 business schools um, I did not get any job talks <laughs> so goose egg I think I made one short list um, and that was it but the I did apply fairly high so I'm not particularly surprised about that Um, You know, the the market's tough. It's really hard to say why these things are happening. And in some ways, I actually, like, would prefer doing a postdoc because I kind of want people to leave me alone and let me do my research for a few years before I have to do, like, uh, the obligations of a tenure-track job. So I'm fine (laughs) with that. Um, And I may, frankly, do a little bit of rebranding. I'm not going to abandon the left-wing authoritarianism research at all. I'm going to continue to study it. But I'm going to try to... um, make myself a little bit more palatable. <laughs>
1: <laughs> is that like intentionally because you know that like being branded as the LWA guy is bad or do you just like, yeah, interested I, I mean, in other it's, things?
2: I, I mean, it's really <laughs> that I'm interested in other things too. Um, but you, I, you have to be a little strategic because that's the only way to get a job. So, um, it's a nice little bonus basically
1: yeah 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 I, I mean i do think that like we can't make draw any conclusions from uh you know our one one anecdote <laughs> of uh yeah and but yeah. but it does seem like just everyone wants a postdoc like you everyone wants, wants you to do a postdoc before you apply to faculty positions yeah. um like uh josh jackson who's in my lab who right. graduated a couple uh, last year he had, like, 40 publications when he graduated. It's, like, something insane. And he it's didn't get a job either. Yeah. And so, like, you yeah. know, I don't know. I'm-
2: no, I, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I mean, I I have a... So my degree is actually in clinical, my, my uh, soon-to-be PhD, even though my research is um, personality and social. And uh, one of my lab mates um, had, like, a CV like that like 40 publications and all this crazy stuff. And she was also unsuccessful in applying for a clinical jobs straight out. Um, but she's now doing quite well. So, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things. And, and also, but yeah, I mean, I do, I do think that it's, it's a tough market for a few reasons. And maybe those reasons are okay, and that's just the way the world works, and, like, it's for the best... Um, and it's, it's not really in my control. So I think just trying to do the best work I can do and, and seeing what happens is is the route to go.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm also curious, like if there is, uh, this sort of affirmative action kind of thing happening, um, the extent to which it is about people's research programs and the extent to which it's about their like demographics, um, because and the problem is that, like a lot of times those uh align in that like people of color are often studying things like racial bias and things like that, and so um, I think it's really hard to like disentangle if they're yeah I guess like if if you were being discriminated against for being a white man, is it? or or is it because of the research that you're doing basically Uh, i don't know
2: yeah uh, right or neither i mean it it's yeah (laughs) like it's uh you know it's who knows as i said it's like it's not really in my in my control it's like a little i mean you put so much you put so much uh time and intellectual energy and and i want to be able to continue to pursue my research program as a professor so obviously it is like frustrating from a selfish perspective but i think from a broader perspective it's like not really you know who cares what i think is kind of the I just, <laughs> bottom line i yeah. um just something
0: that i found a little amusing the other day so i don't know if either of you are on twitter i follow this guy richard han hanania i'm not even sure if i'm saying his name right he's he's sort of in the sort of uh centrist moderate maybe leaning conservative think tank space and he's a really he's a weird guy he's an interesting follow um but anyway he he posted something that was like look if you're a if you're a straight white man applying for a job in academia, what you need to know is the people doing the hiring are among the most woke people in the country and also unlike industry. They they're not they're not really accountable for hiring the best candidate. Like there's there's really there's not the same level of accountability that um, it, it, you you might uh, hurt yourself if you don't hire the best candidate. And all all these people were in the comments were sort of saying yeah like uh, I'm a white man and this is my experience. Like it's it's hard to get a job and stuff like that. And um, and then one guy was like well I'm a, I'm a white man and I've survived in academia just fine clicked on the guy's profile and the pronouns were they them so i was like oh yeah, okay so you're a man when you want to prove that it you know it, it's very easy to be a white man but then like actually like in your profile you're saying you're a, you're not a man uh, which is i don't know i just thought that was fun, yeah funny that, no that's anecdote.
2: funny i mean it's it's like here's the thing and this is actually i mean this is one area where i mean maybe some people would be surprised by my views but like I think it's like a salient an argument that uh, the it's easier to be productive if there are fewer barriers, right? And so if we're judging only like solely on the CV and other things like that, then there are going to be like the people with the fewest barriers are going to do the best. Um, yeah, other things help, constant, obviously. And so um, yeah, I mean that makes sense to me. Um, it makes it a harder path for me, but so be it. I would say. Yeah, I, I, but of yeah. course you can go. You can go overboard too. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I definitely
0: like. I think affirmative actions, complicated, and I, I kind of like. I think I do come down in support of it. I, 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 not, not, um, not sort of like ideological selection. Like, not like we can't hire this guy because his research like doesn't fit a progressive narrative, um, but maybe like you know if somebody was like well we can't hire this guy because our faculty are all white men and you know we we need we need diversity then that's a lot more reasonable than. but i i don't yeah like i don't know i mean like you you say you it's it's so hard to gauge these things but subjectively you kind of feel like maybe i should rebrand myself a little bit here and not be the lwa guy so like i think we're all sort of in this boat and in some ways like i don't know we might just all just end up working at r2s or just like that's 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 fine whatever like i mean because if the r1 environment is full of left-wing authoritarians who are like jumping down our throat every time we say something that like mildly offends them then you know that might be just a better path i don't
1: know or the uh, university of austin (laughs) i'm still waiting for my offer
0: cool well it was that was a lot of fun uh having you on the pod uh tom um and i wish you all the best uh this it's yeah thanks great work and yeah i think you're yeah thanks uh, for having me filling an Uh, important
2: an important role thank you yeah yeah it was it was a lot of fun